All right, ready? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only reason I do this is to have pre-roll for the show. We will right. start the show with I, Brianna Wu, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Okay. Brie, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. My, body ready. ready. <laughs> My body is ready. My body. My body is ready for a semester. <laughs> God. Uh. <laughs> Hi there and welcome to Isometric Gaming with Perspective. I am Steve Lubitz and I am here as always with a head of development at Giant Space Capriano. Will, how you doing, Brie? My body is ready. <laughs> <laughs> My body is ready for Isometric. <laughs> is your body ready, Steve? My body is never ready for anything. <laughs> really? Really after 51 episodes of this, your body isn't ready for Isometric? <laughs> I, I am consistently <laughs> taken by surprise oh, by, by the show. My body and my brain are never ready. I just grab on and hold on for dear life. My body is ready. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Oh, uh, so assistant games editor at Pace Magazine, Matty Myers, is your body ready for isometric? <laughs> I mean, I, who can say, really? I, yeah, I guess. I, I'm not as confident about this as Brie is. <laughs> I have a glass of water. That seems like a great way to prepare. There's no real other way to prepare for this show. I can I can read the articles. I can imagine that I'm prepared, but I I feel like there's not there's no crash course I could take that would allow me to guess what any of you would think about any of these topics. I never know. I never know. You prepare for isometric kind of like you're preparing for a, for a hurricane. You just kind of board up the windows board and hope the for windows. the best. Board the windows. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go in the basement. That's all I can do. We also have a senior editor from imore.com and psychotherapist and resident Canadian, Georgia Dow. How you doing, Georgia? Five hours. Five hours? Five hours? My watch is five hours away. Oh, I'm just saying. Uh, five hours away. Yeah. No, I yeah. thought we were friends. Why would you do this to me, George? Mine's already shipped, baby. It's coming Why in. I think tomorrow I'm going to have it on day oh. one. And this is how isometric oh. ends in violence. Oh. Wait, <laughs> does that mean that it's, they're going to deliver it to you at like two in the morning? No, well, it's it's, it's in proximity. It's five hours away. Okay. So that okay. means tomorrow. Oh, Georgia, I can't believe you. Georgia, who are you? Who are you going to send rude pictures to? I know that's the only sadness is that I, I can't send rude pictures back to Brie. Yeah. yeah, you'll just you'll be the only oh, one with God, the watch. I really regret getting sleep. I really regret getting sleep. It was that night, and you know, I said to myself, like, okay, the last time I I decided to sleep on an Apple product launch, like I just woke up in the morning and ordered it, and it was fine. And like that was a huge mistake. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake, exactly. and that was now a bad mistake, yeah. and now I'm not getting my watch until 2018, and I'm very upset about <laughs> this. <And> it's unfortunate. <laughs> my body was ready for the couple. Well, just your wrist, really. <laughs> no, my whole body. George, I have a very important thing to discuss with you as okay. a member of the of the neighbor to the north. Uh, I got a very – my friend Carl Gilbertson sent me a very disturbing uh, article the other day that I, I want you to defend because I hmm. have come to learn that Canadians are more likely than any other English-speaking country in the world to send a poop emoji. And I, I want you to explain this to me. They're hilarious. I've done, <laughs> I've done that before. I remember when I first started the I'm More show – 
I would um, trash talk people only in emoji. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And are the poop emoji hilarious, though? Think so cute. carefully before you answer. <laughs> okay. Are they? Yeah. I would, like, send a little picture of, like, a goat with, like, wind and then a little poop emoji. But I'd put, like, you know, your name and then equals. And then I would, like, put my little emoji trash talk because that's cute and Canadian. Wow. That is. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to be tweeting out for the rest of the day just in emoji. Just in poop emoji? That's just it? Are you just going to, like, do Morse code in poop emoji? You see, that that's, that's the problem. You guys overuse it. You have to only put it in every once in a while. If not, you become completely climatized to it, and it doesn't bother you anymore. You you know more about this than I expected you to, and that's kind of it's disturbing. all it's all about the psychology of emoji. <laughs> wow, I <laughs> yeah, I'm really baffled by the cultural barrier. Like I wouldn't have even thought about putting a goat, and then wind, and then like an equal sign or whatever you just like all, everything you just said. It would be like like Maddie, and then you put equals goat. No, no, no. I I get it. I just feel like I also don't get it in such a fundamental way that I don't think you'll ever be able to explain (laughs) it to me. You see, you haven't fully unlocked the the full utilization of emoji yet. I think it's more that I just don't like get poop jokes, really. (laughs) I hate poop jokes. I don't like poop jokes. It's just cute as an emoji. They got little googly eyes and that just... It's it's kind of cute. Are, are you telling me if I invest time and effort into mastering like trash talking with emoji that I will be able to like curse at people in a new way? Like, is that what you're telling me? I think me? that's exactly what she's you know telling what? That's me. That's exactly wow. what I'm saying. You can say the oh rudest things God. in emoji, and people are like, "Aw, oh, that's great." You could have a whole conversation with Casey Liss in emoji. That that's a thing that could happen. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I'm having lunch with Casey List tomorrow. Yeah, actually. yeah. Ask him yeah. about the die in a fire emoji. He'll teach that one to you. All that, right. That's that's, All a, right. that's his specialty. Right, Georgia. Ooh. I am going to text you tomorrow. Like Casey List and I are going to text you a bunch of passive aggressive emoji, and your body had better be ready for it because it's going to be next level. I'm you're going to be studying you. at the feet of the master. Is what you're going to be am. doing. I, I can't am. wait. It's on, All right. It's on. It's on. Follow it's on. us for the, yeah. the the emoji fest. It's the, yeah. the battle of the emoji. Okay. Hey, uh-huh. uh, Georgia, I have a question. Can I have your Apple Watch? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Reed, do I get your superpowers? Let's trade. Yeah, okay, sure. Oh, wait, wait, what's your superpower? Wait, what, what's your superpower? Well, uh, <laughs> causing, causing international incidents. <laughs> Shipping video games, striking fear into the heart of strangers. Oh, I like that. That doesn't sound too bad. We might, we might, we'll have to discuss. We'll have to, I, wait till I get the watch. I have to see how attached I am. Uh, can I complain about this for a second? The worst thing about when you order an Apple product is they will ship you the stupid accessories that go along with the product instantly. So, like, next week I'm going to be having my lovely, like, you know, Milanese loop to go off my Apple Watch and my extra charger. <laughs> but it's, like, just going to be sitting there and I'm not going to be – it's going to be I, – I think what I'm going to do is, like, get, like, a, a binder clip and, like, bind yeah. it so right. I can just wear right. the, the loop on my yeah. wrist I just and want to see you awesome. wear the loop and then we're going to, like, just print you out a little picture of the watch Right, face. right. 
And and then you take a picture of it, and then you you tweet that with the dire and a fire emoji to Apple, and there you go. Yeah, there no, we go. I've got, there we go. I'll wait for iMore to take some pictures of George's wrist, and uh, I'll just like cut out the picture of George's iWatch, <laughs> and then put that on my wrist with the Melanie's loop, and no one will know the difference. Right, exactly. And, and then and then as I'm easy, I'll have to go like beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> That was adorable. <laughs> I think that's what the sound that Rob makes. Rob yeah. the robot makes. I want that sound effect. I'm putting that sound effect as my like ringer on my, my watch. Okay. That can be arranged, Georgia. Okay. Oh. All right. Should we talk about video games? My body oh, yeah, is ready. Let's do that. Okay. So we have we have uh, one piece of very serious follow up to follow all this poop talk. Um, but we got an email from Kendra Albert, who's one of the people who, who she wrote the majority of the EFF's petition to the Copyright Office that we talked about two weeks ago. Woo, um, in uh, that was in response to making it legal to to reverse engineer video games in order to remove multiplayer components. Um, so at the time, what we would, what we had been saying is that we weren't sure if there was a call to action, and she wrote in to tell us that there, in fact, she actually is a listener to the show, so she said she almost dropped her phone when she. Uh, when when we started talking about it. But so what she said is that there is a link which I'll put in the show notes, which is uh, dmca.digitalrighttorepair.org slash form, which is the public comment page that they're compiling responses to send to the uh, to send to the copyright office. So um, that's something that you can do if this is something that concerns you. You can go back and listen to that. That was uh, episode f- – this is 52 that we're, that we're recording. So that was episode 50. So you can go listen to that discussion and then go make sure to give your comments so that we can have some of these games preserved for history and aren't shut down by the ESA being more afraid of piracy than losing our uh, our access to these games to history. I did this. I was very proud of myself for doing yeah. it. Yeah. I said that I was going to send a strongly worded letter, and then I did. Yeah. I felt Maddie. very empowered. I filled out a text box. <laughs> And then press send, and it was really easy to do. So if you don't do this, then I don't I don't know what to tell you. Then you don't get to feel as awesome as I did. Did you feel like it was a superpower? Uh, no, because <laughs> I didn't feel like I had any way to know whether or not what I wrote would actually affect anything. But for a few seconds there, I... I I had created the illusion that it might, and that felt really good. That felt like it could be a superpower. Yeah, yeah. I think this is amazing, and I I would really encourage every isometric listener out there to um you know, you know do this. This it makes a difference, and you know we're we're very honored to uh you know find out this person that yeah I'm geeking out about that wrote us like even listens to our show. So I know it great. it's, it's yeah. really awesome. So yeah. so definitely go do your part and and let's try to keep these games around so that we can we can enjoy them and let my kids enjoy them when they're you know later when they find out about them. So. Um, so let's go on to some stuff that happened this week. So uh, the big news this week is that the Star Wars Celebration event uh, was taking place in Anaheim over the past week, and uh, they, which is where they re- revealed the trailer for the new Star Wars movie, which was awesome. I didn't cry, but I heard some people did cry at the end of that a little bit. So it was just that last scene. Yeah, that last scene with Han Solo and Chewie was uh, was pretty cool. Wait, so. I have to I have to stop the podcast right here. Okay, so Georgia, Han Solo episode seven, hot or not hot? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's your definition of hot? 
I don't know. Like, <laughs> we have to define it. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on. Um, Would you talk to him at a bar now? Yes, now the solid question. <laughs> no, no, Georgia. I'm talking about episode seven, Han Solo, meaning episode four, Han Solo. Right, 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 right. That changed my answer. Um, uh, would I talk? I might talk to him. I might okay. talk to him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did he shoot first? That's my first question. <laughs> it changes everything. Do you think Han, did Han shoot first, Brie? He, he would shoot first with me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Is your body ready? My body was ready for episode seven, Han Solo. I was like, that dude is like, you know, people, I heard everybody saying like, Han Solo looks so old. I'm like, no, he looks great. Like, he looks yeah, exactly he looks like great. he did in the other movies, yeah. just with grayer hair, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. He great. Yeah. I thought yeah. he looked great. He's a little too non-committal for me, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Maddie, is is Han Solo your type? Uh, I, absolutely, like the younger version, but yeah, but um, you, don't get, you don't get the younger version. I'm gonna ask you guys to walk back <laughs> what you said a second ago about him what? looking exactly the same. But yeah, with yeah, hair. yeah. I I love Harrison Ford and all, but that is not true. That is wait, that's Harrison Ford. Yeah, that is that is that is your fandom speaking, and I, I mean, like he is he's definitely aged well, but I. I feel like if I met him now, I'd be like, you're too old for me. But, you know, really? if time travel were involved, then sure. Totally. <laughs> okay. I'd hit that. All right. All right. You All right. Hit that. Anyway, yeah. uh, are, are, you, are, you have, are you satisfied with the answers that you've received? Brent? I am satisfied. Okay. <laughs> I, I just didn't know if we needed to dig, dig further into no, this. No, you know? no, 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 no. I thought that was the whole reason why we were bringing this up, actually. I. I really only want to talk about whether or not we think Han Solo is hot on this show. I want to know. I want to know why Chewbacca doesn't have gray hair. Yeah, I really hope yeah. That's I saw a lot of people the, bringing that up. So. Yeah. What's up with well, that? Well, how long? How long do they live? I don't know. You see, he might live to like four hundred, and so he's still an, an adolescent. I'm gonna find out. <laughs> hmm. Okay. No, that's a fair point. So maybe they don't go gray right away. I actually don't know if they ever do. I mean, there's a lot of questions that I think that this movie is going to finally answer. And mostly mostly the questions are about, like, Chewbacca's aging process. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. it. I, right. I think that right. was actually answered in the uh, in the Star Wars Christmas special, but nobody actually watched it. So. I did. <laughs> anyway, that's not actually what this show yeah. is about. Let's talk about Battlefront. Let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Battlefront. Battle. So that, that was 200 the... years old when he first joins him, so... So now he's like a gajillion years old. I don't know. I don't know what year this takes place. I. Why are we talking about this instead of video games? <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront. Everybody. So that was the big. That was the big news that that concerns uh, this show in that in that event is that they announced Star Wars Battlefront, which is. I mean, it's going to basically be the third entry in the series, though it sounds yes. like it's going to be. Really, it's going to – they're not calling it Battlefront 3. They're just calling it Star Wars Battlefront because there were a couple of Star Wars Battlefront games in the PS2 era yep. that were basically just reskins of, of Battlefield with, uh, with Star Wars characters, if I remember whoa, correctly. Whoa, whoa, Hold on, hold on. Those games were unbelievably good. Really? And I, oh, my God, were those games good. I have played Star Wars Battlefront for at least four or 500 hours. Really? And, oh God, yeah! Wow! Like that the Camino map. 
I I know that better than I know my own house. I mean, yeah, those games are really really good and and well balanced, like really good class um, diversity, awesome like heroes, um, just really really making you feel immersed in those battles. Like those those games are great. See, I remember that era. Mm-hmm. Aside from like Knights of the Old Republic, I remember there being just being a slew of bad Star Wars games in that era. And like I'm thinking of the Clone Wars game in particular, and I think mm-hmm. I must have lumped that in with everything else from that from that PS2 era because there were a lot of bad Star Wars games in that in that. No, period of time. I I would say the original Battlefront was more groundbreaking, and the second one they came through and they added um, ships to it, and ships didn't really feel it, it wasn't the best addition, and some of the maps didn't really work. Like there was one, um, I think it was the Death Star. That just yeah, they just didn't really gel together. But overall, it really made you feel like you were um, in those battles. Like it had um, like Hoth is well, let's take Camino. This is a map I know really well. So you see all these droids in the movie, and what it does is it makes you feel more connected to the prequels because it gives you like the droidka. You understand how a droidka works and when the shields come up, what the tactical advantage is of that, how they fire, um, you know, what the difference is in the skinny droids and the bigger, you know, assault droids. And it, by like making you feel the tactical significance of every class, it brings a lot of depth to the Star Wars universe. So um, I, I just thought they were amazing. I honestly, like, I feel like I remember playing it, but I wasn't impressed by it. But that, you know, yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I remember playing Battlefront 2, and all I remember about it is that you can play as Princess Leia, right? Right? I you remember can. thinking yeah. that was really yeah. cool. that's my input on this princess leia is cool and i wanted to play as her and shoot a a person in the face with a laser gun and then i did Mm -hmm. that was about as far as my video game criticism went (laughs) at that period of time when that game was out and that's probably to be expected (laughs) because it was a while ago but you know there's something to be said for you know having a female character in a game especially back then Uh uh-huh so this new one is going to be based off the new Battlefield engine, and they they put out a trailer which looks – it looks so good that it almost seems too good to be true when I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah, it looks really rendered. Say that it's in-game footage. It's a game engine footage, which doesn't necessarily mean gameplay footage. It means right. something that was rendered – by the game engine they have you know the rebels are shooting at the at the stormtroopers and then an atst comes in and tries to break a rebel shield and then eventually there's an atat in the middle of of endor for no good reason whatsoever and is it at or at or at at maureen and i were having this argument the other day atat i've heard both because i said at at the other day maureen told me that that sounded stupid and there's no way that it could be called that so i don't i don't know i've heard people call it at at so i don't know what to tell you but I I I say they're both wrong, so let's not use either one. No, I'm just okay. But so that then some Y wings get called in and blow that up, and then Darth Vader comes in and kills everybody. And and it looks like it looks like a movie. It's really hard to tell that it's. I mean, there are some parts that look like it's running off of a game engine, but a lot of it looks really cinematic and looks almost like like real footage. And that's where there was one article that I read that was getting kind of worried because we've been. You know, we've been promised this a lot, this generation, and I think the Order 1886 is kind of the biggest example of that, that the games can do this, but are they really going to be able to? I mean, they're saying that they're going to 
deliver it in November. And I guess we'll see if that is a real date or not. And that hasn't been the trend this year, this so far, this generation. But so uh, what, what was your reaction oh my God. to this? What? Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was looking at my Apple watch just shipped. Oh, no way. Yes. When, when? Right now. Okay. You have to track it now, Bree. Oh my God! Sorry, sorry, guys. I need to interrupt the show. It's on. I'm leaving that in, by the way. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So while while Bree composes herself, what did you guys think of the trailer? And and what do you what do you think about this game? You know, being able to ship in a in a way that is what they're promising. I would I would rather that that it's a good game than they rush to ship something that I'm not going to enjoy. That's just my feeling on it. I. You know, make the game like people are expecting a lot. It's better to wait until, you know, it's it's going to live up to expectations because there's huge expectations in this game. Yeah, it looks pretty, though. Yeah, it does. It looks pretty. Look how shiny Darth Vader's helmet is. It looks like a real helmet in real life. I don't know. Honestly, I don't think the game's really going to look this good, but the trailer looks so good. <laughs> I, I mean, um, as someone that I get the sense I've played this more than everyone else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I have very hazy memories of prior Battlefronts. And have you played any, have either of you played any of the Battlefield games this generation, by the way, before we go any further? No, no, okay. no, no. Um, but I guess what I would say is this, um, to, to just kind of give like some historical context to this. So Battlefield 1 comes out and was a huge hit. And then Battlefield 2 came out, um, Battlefront 2 came out and was less of a hit, but it was still really well done. And then they brought out a PSP version of this game. And then Battlefield uh, Front 3 was going to come out. It was in limbo forever, limbo forever, limbo forever. And they never ended up bringing it out. And it was eventually canceled. Um, and one of the things like, when I saw this trailer, um, I think it looks really, really rendered, but it's not my question about the series. Um, you know, games are about gameplay, not feeling like a movie unless the game is Revolution 60, right? So this game is a first-person shooter. So what they've got to do is figure out how to make this particular game type feel innovative again, right? Like, that's the problem. Because this kind of class-based, um, you know, pick four classes on one side, four on another, hit these same objectives over and over again, like disable the radar dish, go secure this point. Um, it's kind of a data gameplay idea at this point, right? So I, I, with respect to everyone here, I think like talking about the graphics is kind of the wrong question. It's like, how can they make this formula feel fresh again? Because, you know, they didn't make Battlefield 3 for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot they spent a lot of time in a lot of the developer interviews talking about the graphics, which is why I was kind of focusing on that. Like they were talking about how everything is going to look like how you expected it to look in the movie. And so that's why I'm I kind of expect that it's going to be very similar to the Battlefield games that have just come out. I mean, they've they've released two Battlefield games already this generation, and I kind of expect that the gameplay is going to be fairly similar to that. It would be interesting if you can if you can kind of go into a rogue a rogue squadron type of mode by flying around like uh, tie fighters and that's exactly what it was like in, in battlefield uh, 2 battlefront 2 yeah i mean that would be that would be really interesting if they can get that to work but i i, I just i don't know i've been we've been disappointed so many times this generation with big promises in general 
um, that I don't know. I, I don't, I'm at a point now where I don't trust anything that they tell me until they actually ship the game, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah, I mean? Right. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there was a, a comment. I can't remember where. I think it was on The Verge this week. And they were talking about um, Star Wars and, you know, kind of the the overall hype of, like, falling in love with characters before you even see them in the movie. And they brought up a really good point that, um, you know, Star Wars has kind of crossed over the line from fandom to, you know, good old-fashioned brand loyalty, like, you know, we might feel to Apple. And, you know, I think that's worth examining, you know? Like, um, I mean, does Star Wars have a solid track record of bringing out good games? I would say, for me, the, the Battlefront series does. But, you know, overall, I... It, it does bother me that they're not answering any of the questions that I want to see. And I think this trailer, you know, great making it look super cinematic, but that's not how it's going to play. 99% of Battlefront is going to be like looking down in first person shooter, like holding a stormtrooper rifle. So, yeah. which makes me worried. Like, it always makes me a little bit worried. I understand why they do that. A lot of people really care about the graphics, but it does make me a little bit worried when that's what you're. Um, you know, going to be the first thing that you're going to want to tout. Uh. Yeah, though the the one good the one good piece of well, I don't want to say one good piece of news because that's a little bit too negative. But one good piece of news uh, out of this announcement is that there are going to be playable female stormtroopers. Yay! Oh, so nice. Oh, all my dreams are answered. <laughs> No, I mean that. That's awesome. I've always wondered why there weren't any female stormtroopers in, in well, Star Wars. Well, maybe they were because they're clones. But you know, now they're not. I just thought I just thought that they were female. We just couldn't tell. Well, we don't know, but yeah, the know. armor doesn't really have you know like they like real women have like made stormtrooper armor. And it's not really booby. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they don't go for like boob socks. You know, so yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't even know how you would necessarily. I mean, I'm sure that they'll make it. They'll make it clear, but it doesn't seem like it would be that much of a modification from yeah. The male stormtrooper. I mean, unless you know you have long hair coming out the back of the, the back of the helmet. <laughs> please or don't like that. do that. Oh my god! Please don't do that, Dice. <laughs> oh, I'll send an angry tornado of feminists after you if you do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like kind of like a like a no brainer type of thing. That's like, why haven't they done this now? But up to now, because it does seem like it's like you know the the easiest way to get female models into into the game no i, I mean, think maybe yeah. you just like put a pink bow on top of the helmet <laughs> and also i think you probably like paint on some eyelashes onto like where the eyes are they would just be they would just be pink stormtroopers right they would yeah. look exactly the same you'd have like a very very pale pink yeah right Marie, you right. wouldn't send like shark nato you would send like feminist nato at them. right i would feminist right. nato <laughs> <laughs> <And> dice <laughs> Please don't do that. Like, there we go. Like, they would never do that. It would be f- funny if they did it as a joke, though. Yeah, no, please don't do that. <laughs> like putting lipstick on the breather apparatus. Like, that would be great. Yeah. Oh, my God. Please don't do that. Oh, my God. I, I think I think we're going to get some fan art of female stormtrooper, horrible oh. female stormtroopers by the by the time this well, show comes out. If that's true, then I hope those fan artists also come up with some ideas for good female stormtroopers to make us feel better. Because I don't want to just see the sad ones. <laughs> I, I already know that it's going to be me wearing the the, the female stormtrooper. No, uh, costume don't too. do that. <laughs> Put me in it. Put me in it. I I, w- I want to see fan art of Maddie wearing the stormtrooper outfit. That would be pretty yes. Awesome. I would look cool. Yes. Yeah. You'd look menacing. Oh, my God. I know. I would look very... She would have an arm cannon. She would not be playing fair. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, that would be that would be funny if I did like a Samus crossed with a stormtrooper armor. That could work. And then, and then everyone would have to make the aren't you a little short, short for a stormtrooper joke. And... They would and they would <laughs> all die. They would all die. <laughs> they get a die and a fire emoji and uh, and that would be the end of it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's you know what, Steve, you just explained to me why I can never cosplay a stormtrooper. I'm really glad that now I don't have to do it because I already know what would happen. OK, never mind. All right, so cool. I, I just <laughs> before we move before we move off of this, I just have to point out this ea's booth when they were announcing this they apparently had a life-size x-wing that you could pilot like virtually oh my god Ooh. i don't know if you guys saw this this article or not but they actually had videos of like what it's like to pilot the x-wing and with like from the cockpit and stuff like that and they had like video with with r2d2 behind you on a on a screen and it looks oh, amazing. amazing i wish that they would just like make this a permanent display because like i would pay money to do that yes that would be would a reason too. to go back to an arcade and get an yeah. X-Wing. <laughs> In a heartbeat. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so let's move on to um, another oh, oh interesting move. Before we move on, guys. Yes. Go ahead. Bree's no, Apple I, Watch is here. No, it's no, no, no. I, Oh, that, I just, would be, that would be news. Bree's actually, actually sent it to the past and she's had it for three days. <gasps> no, guys, I just realized I haven't been recording the show the whole oh. time. We got to start over. I can't tell if you're trolling on trolling me or not. I don't think she is. Do you want to start over, Steve, or do you want to just No, use I'm totally the... trolling you. That's oh, a you superpower. Are, you are an That's evil a woman, superpower. Bree. You are an evil human. I am, that's yeah. Horrible. So, oh, that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. See, I was not convinced until Maddie was convinced, and then <laughs> I, I started getting worried. I, 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 I don't know about you guys, but I take this show pretty seriously. So. <laughs> I do, too. This is very serious. <laughs> we can tell. We can tell. Very All right. Serious. So now that now that my heart started beating again, <laughs> let let's go. Well, if I had a Apple Watch, you could tell that my heart was beating again, but I don't. So you know. So GameStop is going to be instead of selling Apple Watches, they're going to be selling old hardware and old games. So this is something that they used to do a while ago, and then they uh, GameStop originally. I mean, they ended up become gobbling up all of these smaller. Uh, video game retail chains. I mean, back in the the '90s, there was Software Etc. and there was Babbage's and there was uh, there was Electronics Boutique, and one of them was Funkoland that they bought. And Funkoland pretty much existed just for this reason: was to, I mean, they sold new games, but they primarily were sold older classic games and used games. And eventually, as GameStop bought all these companies up. They ended up uh, stopping that, and they were only taking in games for current systems. So. Wired had this uh, this interview this week with one of the GameStop executives talking about this new program that they're going to be doing where you're going to be able to bring in your classic games to GameStop and they will send them off to some factory or, or warehouse somewhere, test them and then sell them online exclusively. And they're going to be accepting games for the NES, Super NES, Nintendo 64, the Genesis, the original PlayStation and the Dreamcast. I want to know what you guys thought about this. This seems like a no-brainer, but this also seemed like a no-brainer that they should have been doing this all along. And I have a hard time, I don't know if if you guys feel the same way, 
looking at anything that GameStop does without having like the lens of desperation attached to it at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, did you did you think of this as like a normal like a, a no brainer move or is this something like they're just throwing everything at the wall now and see and seeing what sticks? No, I, I I guess I didn't really see this. Well, let me tell you guys a quick story. Um, in 1999, I went home for Christmas and I came back to my apartment and it was robbed. And they took my Nintendo and all my games and my Sega Genesis and all my games and um, my uh, Super Nintendo and all my games. And uh, the insurance company were real jerks about reimbursing me for it. We went through this whole thing. And long story short, um, I basically, very, for a very long time, I've wanted to like replace these systems. Um, and I just, one thing that stops me from doing it is, you know, I can spend a bunch of money on eBay, but there's no, like, if things don't work, like, it's very difficult to send that back. So just as a consumer, I was, you know, delighted to to see this happening, though, you know, I'm obviously worried about the markup. Um, as far as GameStop, I think it's important to remember, um, you know, they played a really awesome role with R&D when the, um, you know, the Xbox had the famous Ring of Death problem, um, you know, kind of getting the graphical card in it to work, and then this really ingenious patent of heating one side of it and cooling the other. So I actually think they're positioned in a really strong way to you know, make this convenient and easy at a reasonable price. Yeah, like if they capitalized on being hardware savvy in the future and they were just like, we're going to repair all of your hardware going forward, then that would definitely be a way for them to continue to stay relevant. I don't know whether that's a service they're offering for Dreamcasts and other stuff, but if it were, then that would make a lot of sense to me. I, Other than that, I can't even imagine how they would stay in business because games are definitely going to go digital eventually. So... That part of things, the whole used games argument is going to come up again and again. But this is at least more of a feel-good type of a business decision to make. So it it definitely is a no-brainer, but I... I think it's also something that people actually want. So I, I'm I'm having trouble seeing it as like the calculated capitalist move that I know that it also <laughs> is. I think it's also a reflection of the fact that like people still have these systems and maybe for whatever reason they want to sell them, but also people want to buy them. And like it'd be nice if you could just go to a store as opposed to, you know, eBay where things are really sketchy and sometimes you don't know the quality of what you're getting when it comes to hardware. Especially used hardware where you don't really know if it still works and it's really old and you just you're taking a big chance there. Yeah. Can, can I ask a quick question? I've I've often wondered this um, because like one of the first games I would want to replace would be Final Fantasy. I'm going to use the American names here, two and three, um, but that had like battery carts inside of it and surely those batteries have died by now right so how do you not necessarily really it's yeah not necessarily i have some really old games and and they're still working it's almost like creepy because they have my old saves and i have not used them in ages 
And I know that there was a place that would, like, refurbish them. Well, that's one of the things that GameStop's going to be doing at this warehouse is they're going to be opening them up, changing the batteries out wow. so that they have fresh batteries. So that's going to be, like, a value-add sa- service that, right. they're gonna be, yeah. that they're going to be providing. So that is something yeah. that you're not going to get if you just go to, like, the flea market or something like that and happen to find an old copy of, like, Zelda or whatever. You're, you're at least mm-hmm. going to know that they've they've gone through and and you know, cleaned all the contacts and they've replaced the battery and something like that. So from that perspective, it's going to be a good thing. I think the one thing that's that's kind of coloring this conversation is that the ESA does an infographic or a PDF every year of different statistics about the video game industry. And that came out uh, like two weeks ago for 2014. And this 2014 was the first year that less than half of games were sold digitally, uh, sold physically. So, in 2010, 71% of games were sold physically, and in 2014, it went down to 48%. Right. So that that's why any time that I see GameStop trying to do anything, and GameStop's kind of becoming I, – I feel like we've talked about this before, but GameStop has is kind of expanding beyond video games even – out to like they're they're doing like third party Apple um, repair shops and stuff like that on top of the actual video game stores. But I, I just wonder, I, you know, and I agree that GameStop does, you know, offer a service. I don't particularly love going in there to shop myself. I, I find that it's, you know, the, the shopping experience as a consumer is is generally terrible. And I'm a guy, so I can only imagine how much fun it is for the three of you to, to set foot in there. But that beside the point, I just don't know how much longer like a dedicated physical game retailer can survive. It occurred to me because I was in the mall with the twins this weekend and the one music store in the mall – well, not the one music store because Newberry Comics still sells music. But the one dedicated music store in the mall was finally closing down, FYE, which Mm. had been like the cockroach of the mall. Like you just (laughs) couldn't kill it. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and it's finally like going out of business. And that's when, it, you know, when FYE finally shuts its doors, that's when I start wondering if there's really any sort of a future for selling physical media. And other than the used games, even that's going to start to dry up eventually. So I, I just wonder how many more tricks GameStop has up its sleeve to be able to survive into the next uh, console generation, assuming there is one. Well, I could see it becoming sort of like a video game version of an Apple store where they replace your parts and they sort of help you with purchasing decisions, which is what they try to do now. But if they were actually good at it, that would be nice. (laughs) And um, you, you go there if you're having a problem with your device and that's it. Or you go there if you want to buy a new thing. Because even though we buy the actual products digitally, I'm still buying a lot of gadgets and controllers and like physical items that that's not going to change. Like I'm still going to have to buy cables and all of that. So that part of it, I don't think is ever going to completely die because it's not like my console can become digital. (laughs) That would be pretty sweet, but uh, it it probably won't happen for a few more decades. And so until then, like we are going to need somebody to repair these things. And I, I don't know, like I've bought stuff on eBay before, I bought a used PS3 on eBay and it's still kicking now and I'm glad, but that feels really lucky to me because I've also had horror stories happen. I talked on the show about how Zach got a fight stick on eBay and then it didn't work at all when it arrived and he had to like replace it and go through this whole rigmarole with it. So like it's really like a 50-50 chance as to whether you're going to get what you think you're going to get. And so I kind of like going to a store if I'm actually buying a gadget i don't know how you all feel about 
that. Like actually holding something and being like, this appears to work. All of the buttons are functional. <laughs> like there's a value there. Yeah. I mean, have you ever tried to return something on eBay? It's a, it's it's a horrible. nightmare. It's horrible. It's horrible. So yeah, no, I completely, um, I really hope this, this works for them. I think it's, I think it's smart and you know, I have to, I really want to, I want to buy, beat Final Fantasy 3 again. I love that game and it just, I've, I've missed, it was a great game. It's such a great game. Oh, Oh my god! Can't you just get it from the PSN though? But it's not the same, oh, okay. Steve. Yeah. It's just it's like you know I played every single remake that they well not every single because you can't play that many games. But you know I've, I've when they re released it for um, you know, Game Boy Advanced, I played it on there and it was it was good. I played it on. You know, Vita, but there's just something about you know you have to playing on the original hardware. It just it, it just feels different. Um, I don't know. It's almost irrational. Um, I have to say, guys, like Georgie, you played Final Fantasy three, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking on eBay as we're talking because I'm like I have to do this, and they have something on here. It's called an uncensored retranslation of Final Fantasy six. And um, it looks legit. I've I've never seen this before. Doesn't that look interesting? It's uncensored. <laughs> What's going on in Final Fantasy VI that it needs to be uncensored? Isn't that the one where you can get the special tickets and see the ladies dancing and they're naked? <laughs> I don't there remember is, that. There is. There's one of the Final really? Fantasies. There's the little ticket that you buy, and I like spent this thousand dollars on this ticket. It was a ton of money. And then I go in, and they're just. I'm like, I don't understand where. And in the Japanese version, they're they're naked, I believe, oh, or really naked, pixelated, non-pixelated. Huh. They're they're already pixelated, so I guess they're it's already censored. But anyway, that sounds really sexy. Um, no, yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. Se- as sexy as Han Solo? No, no, <laughs> way more sexy. Um, as I remember, like by the way, my first program I ever made was writing a um, a text parser to like go through the Final Fantasy uh, three FAQ to like figure out monster stats and all of that. <laughs> I did it in mm, Turbo Pascal cool. four, but um, so cool. like Ted Woodsley translated this game, and it was just very rushed, and there were some things that weren't accurate compared to the original script. And I think they didn't know just how big and classic it was going to be, so they've they've actually gone back through and changed. Some of the the text boxes and later versions so that's why i would guess this would be but i could be wrong well we have real-time feedback from the chat room kiba bay is telling us that it's because they edited out the guards punching Celis because some kid hit another kid to death based on what they saw in the game so and that sounds like something that nintendo would have done in the super nintendo era this is an old school video game controversy like before our time i know i guess so yeah, I, I mean, I guess the thing with with GameStop, with GameStop is that it just seems like they have so many lost opportunities in the store that they could fix really easily. Like they have the demo stations already, and they're never working. Like my kids yeah. always want to go play with the Wii U when we go in there, even though we have like literally every game that they have on that demo station at home, and they think they can play whenever they want. And they go to play it, and the gamepad's broken, and they can't do anything, and all they can do is watch the video that's looping. And it seems like, especially because demos are dying. Like, nobody makes demos anymore. Just being able to, like, go in and do, like, a time demo or something. Mm-hmm. They could go and try a game that you weren't sure about and then go buy it right there. It seems like that's the kind of thing that they would be looking at. But they just seem to neglect a lot of those things that you can do in a physical store that you can't do on Amazon or what, or on the PSN or something like that. 
Yeah. I mean, GameStop is terrible and it oh, seems yeah. like it was designed <laughs> by people who don't like people who play games and who don't play games and who don't understand why anyone would play games. That's like the only explanation <laughs> I can come up with for why it's so bad, because nothing about the way that that store is organized makes sense to me as a consumer at all. Like the way that they talk to you and the way that they try to upsell you on games that you would never be interested in. And like, they have to do that because they're trained to do that. And like the stuff that you said about how nothing works there and it's all just bonkers. I don't know. It's hard for me to feel sorry for GameStop, but because they're terrible, but it, it, I, you know, by default, I always want people to figure everything out and eventually turn it around. So I guess I still have some hope that GameStop is going to realize that they could go in a different direction and be a completely different store in every possible way. But that probably won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia, this is going to sound like me ragging on Canada again, but I'm really not. But do, is, does, does GameStop exist in Canada or, is that, or do they only exist in the U.S.? We don't have them in Montreal. Okay. Um, so Do you have, have like a super friendly store called Game Pause where everybody's like, you like games, <laughs> eh? We, we and, have and they're like, all like really nice I, I to you. I wonder if we and... have some downtown. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to look up uh, in Montreal. But we, we have a whole bunch of different types of um, game locations. Yeah, it says that there are some locates close. Not in Montreal, but like there are some around. But um, yeah, there's one. I've never been to one here. And we're, people are really friendly here, so <laughs> I would assume they'd be really nice about everything and, and polite and, and saying we're sorry if that doesn't work and we'll return it to you. Yeah. Um, I would love so. to go to a Canadian GameStop. I, I, would, I think that would be the, the most fun thing – not mo- the most fun thing ever because I'm not – no, it would be. It would be the most fun possible thing that we could do would be to go to a Canadian GameStop. <laughs> but I've been to GameStops in the States. Yeah. And you yeah, thought I, it was all right? I did. I did. I, I'll, I'll be straight, though. I didn't actually purchase anything there. <laughs> hmm. So. Well, no, you looked it up on Amazon like a, you know, like a normal person and then bought it from Amazon. Well, it, I just like buying all the, like the stuffies and different like toys and stuff thinking because that I want to be able to see and feel. And like Brie, I have to do the squish test because, yeah, you know, that's the critical. stuffies and squishy. It's, it's yeah. not happening. No, GTFO. Yeah. 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 <laughs> On that note. <laughs> okay. So let, let's go on to the last thing that we plan to talk about today, which is uh, also talking about selling things. So now um, Steam has had the Steam Workshop in place for a while now, which is a way that uh, people can distribute mods for uh for certain games that are enabled for them in the steam store and uh they made a change today where uh they are now allowing people to charge for those mods they used to be um, distributed free of charge and now they are going to allow for people to sell them and so the first game that's going to be taking advantage of this is skyrim though they're going to be rolling this out to more games as this as this program gets rolled out and I I tried reading some of the posts about this and this is a this is a whole scene that I'm realizing in the course of about an hour while I'm reading up on this that I have absolutely no knowledge of and, and which which happens on the show from time to time like I was completely ignorant of the whole YouTube scene before we started doing the show but I was reading about the whole modding scene and there's like there there's a lot of 
of anger about this move. Uh, I think a lot of it may seem to revolve around the fact that at least for Skyrim, and it's really unclear if this is going to be limited to Skyrim specifically or or across the board, that only 25% of the revenue that's made from selling the mod is going to go to the modder and the rest is either going to get donated or going to be split between Bethesda and 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 Valve themselves. Um but there were a lot of a lot of opinions in this there's this piece in Kotaku going through all the reactions to it and I mean anything anytime anybody does anything on the internet there's there's people who are up in arms about it but it seems like this is there are a lot of strong opinions that I don't really understand not being in the modding community and I what are you what do you guys think about this cuz I was trying to understand some of the anger. There are some people who are saying that this is going to end modding as we know it. This is there are people who are angry at the people who are well. I guess that's not really surprising. People are angry who are charging at the people who are charging for mods because mods should be free and nobody should ever get paid for anything that they do to build a game or anything related to a game. So that's nothing new. But do you think that this is a good thing? And then what do you think about the the reactions that are that are coming out of this? Okay, let me go at this. Okay, so. Okay, so there's like intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. So if you're a modder, odds are you are doing this because you love the game and you love to modify for it. Right away, once you start adding like an outside payment system for what you're doing, you can end up having something that you actually really enjoyed. You start to link the reason that you're doing it is for the money instead of for your own pleasure from that. So something that you do, you might love doing it, but then you get paid for it. It can become a stress instead of being something that makes you happy. So the fact that they're not going to be getting it, if that's true, that they're not going to be getting most of the income, I think is going to cause a huge damper on the modding community for people that do it for pleasure, for love, for little tiny things that we might enjoy. And I don't like that idea. I think that if you're going to be paying people for work, I think that it has to be just. It doesn't mean that they don't, you know, they don't. maybe they don't get all the money because, you know, yeah, I want the gaming community to be able to also make a nice profit and make more fabulous games. But it does bother me if people start feeling animosity towards their modifications because they're not going to be just like they're not going to get a just amount of how much work they put into it. That bothers me because they're going to lose their intrinsic motivation for why they do it. And then the extrinsic motivation of motivation of money is not going to be worth it for them. And we may end up with much less in the modding community of things that we really enjoy and love. And so that would bother me. And I think that it would be a a short-sighted thought on the manner of which to monetize something that was before free. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was going to go into a developer rant, but now I feel guilty about it. No, do it. Do it. <laughs> Keep the rants going. This is, why, this is why we love having you on the show, Bree, to go on these developer rants. So go ahead. <laughs> I I know so many professionals in this field that got their start um you know being modders. Um I know I know someone that got uh they work at Blizzard now and they they um they started off like modding Warcraft maps. So you know this is a very common progression to kind of start in this hobbyist space and you have know, to kind of grow and get bigger. Um 
So that it is true for a long time that has been more donation based. But, um, you know, the truth is there are some people doing some very complex mods in 2015. Um, you know, games like, uh, you know, Dota actually started off as a mod. So I, I do think that there are some things, some products that rise up past this level of hobbyist thing that, um, you know, they do deserve to be, to be paid for and to charge up front. And I guess I find it kind of stupid that gamers are going to scream about this because it's a it's a very complex problem. People can charge or not charge. Um, you know, as far as the developer taking a cut, I actually don't have a problem with that. Um, one of the reasons we don't support Steamworks is because there's a um, a development cost associated with opening your product up to that, and you know, even allowing people to like you know, download stuff on your platform and expand it. Like, let's take Civ, for example. There are a lot of modifications to let you play different um, mods of Civ Five. Well, if you're going and doing those mods, maybe you're not doing some of the, um, you know, official, you know, Fire Axis, um, you know, expansions to that. So there's a cost associated with that. So I, I think that, like, the way that this is, is made, um, the developers can set, you know, what percentage of who gets what for this. And it just seems absolutely correct. And it seems like a, a fun experiment in modification. I mean, in, in monetizing, like, you know, basically amateur work. And I, I think that's awesome. Um, let's, let's just be honest. Like a lot of the screaming is people feel entitled to material and they're cheap. So I, I just, I, I think it's childish. I mean, there's a support cost that's involved too, right? Because like once you start letting people like mod your game, then you don't know if they're playing against the base game or if they're playing with some code that you hadn't expected and that's going to add to the effort to be able to debug and resolve resolve bugs that are in your game too, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the, you kind of weed that out as you're, you're testing and, you know, especially, I mean, on the PC, you simply can't test every single configuration. And to a certain extent, like you are... You do have to stay in forums and, you know, you're a little bit more responsible for your upkeep. But, um, yeah, it absolutely has a cost associated with that. So I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. Maddie, how do you feel? I feel like the the interesting part of this Kotaku article is when this uh, – there's this one modder who there's a really long quote from in the middle who I, th- I think his name is Dark One with a <laughs> with a zero for the – Oh, and then. well, of course. I mean, how else would you spell yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, because really? he's a freaking badass. So anyway, he's got this long quote in here, and um, he's coming at it from the modern perspective, but but he's actually still against this. And and the reason that he gives is because he's very into the cooperative nature of modding, wherein he he likes to be able to ask other modders for help with his own work, like perhaps something very small that they would contribute, or he would like to contribute something very small to somebody else's mod. But then that starts to get really complicated when you're creating a mod that then is later sold, and maybe at that point you don't know whether or not you're going to sell it, and you don't know whether or not you're going to give a cut to all these people who helped you. And like at that, I still think that bringing money into this is ultimately a, a good thing. But I do understand the concern. And I, I think that it's something that the mod community is going to have to really think about. It, it's going to become a situation where mods are seen 
as a work that will eventually be sold in the same way that other indie games are, where if your friend asks you to contribute some code to their game and you know that that friend might eventually sell the game, you're going to want to know if they're going to pay you or not. You would just say up front, like, hey, this is pro bono. It's it's all good if you don't pay me. But those are conversations that are going to start happening in the mod community now that money is involved. And this is interesting to me because it reminds me of the same conversations that happen in every artistic community that I've ever been a part of where people start out doing a project, whether it's music or writing or whatever for fun. And like, maybe it's a collaborative project, but then as soon as money gets involved, things just get complicated. They just do whether you like it or not. And like how much everybody's getting paid and whether it should be equal or not. I mean, like we've had those discussions on this show even, and like we've, you know, made those decisions and like that happens every time but it it does change things it especially if you've been working for free quote unquote for fun for passion for a very long time and then money gets introduced like if you're in a band say and like you've been working for free for a very long time and then one person quits the band and then everybody starts making a ton of money after that person leaves and then that person tries to come back in like that's always a very tricky situation and i could see that starting to be a problem in the modding community as well you know what i mean like it it is going to change the like for fun aspect of modding for sure and perhaps deservedly i mean i I see how complicated these mods are and I am always shocked that people are doing this much in their spare time for no money most of the time. Like just So Maddie, who do you think should get paid? No, I mean I I think that the way that they're doing it for the reasons that Bree said is the only possible way to do it. But I think that modders are going to end up having to learn about contracts in their free time and like they are going to have to talk to one another and decide whether or not they want to pay their friends and they might not like having those conversations and that's kind of sad and like i've i've been in artistic communities that have had those kinds of conversations before where they're like we don't want to talk about money and like we all just want to not worry about it but like money's on the table now you know like now people are going to want to start contributing mods to the steam platform and so now the conversation is being forced on them and they're going to have to figure it out you know can i say something about that i think that this is a tendency that i see in a a lot of discussions and in particularly in my work with feminism and i think there's 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 a, a fallacy that i see people bringing to all kinds of discussions and and the fallacy is my way is the best way and should be the only way and I think that, like, I'm not adver- you know, I'm not advocating that all mods should charge here. The only thing I'm advocating is like a wide marketplace where people can make different choices, and they can they can do it for free or they can get money from it. And you know, I I just I understand those complications that you're saying, and that's valid. And I think that should inform the choices that people make in their their individual. Um, like projects that they tackle and yeah there will be this hobbyist modding where no one gets paid a dime but to like say everyone has to follow that that you know basically economic model it just seems it seems stupid i mean you know like i choice is better right yeah i agree with that i i just think that like the choice was never even there before for the mod community so now that it is there people are going to start to have the same arguments that i see in other communities about whether or not a project should be for fun or for money and what to do when you want to make a 
change about whether or not the project is going to be for fun or for money. And um, sometimes people, <laughs> especially when there's more than one person on the team, like sometimes there are disagreements about that kind of thing. And I, I don't know, I absolutely have seen that happen in like indie game spaces and music spaces and like everything else I've ever done. <laughs> like everybody will disagree about like, you know, it's for the art, man. Like I'm just doing this for fun. But then like, there's one person who will be like, I really need to pay my rent. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> you know, like, like that is always attention. And it's absolutely attention in like activist communities as well, because, you know, are you doing it for just the passion of it? Or, or are you doing it because, you know, you also need to survive. And, and like, that's, that's just like a whole other layer of it, but it's, it's actually the same type of conversation too. Like Absolutely. It, it turns out we all need money to live to, I'm very, it's very unromantic, but it's very, no, I don't think true. it's unromantic. I think it's, I think it's just, it's, everyone deserves to be paid and paid adequately for the work that they've put in. I think that, um, you know, I think that a lot of people think that money is inherently bad. And I think that that's a wrong statement to that. Um, I just will hope that the people that have worked hard on creating the mods are paid adequately for the work that they put into it in order to support the community. And also it might encourage them uh, to continue doing that or to make this more of a career uh, if they enjoy that. I guess the one thing that confuses me about all of this is that it sounds like – and again, I'm completely ignorant of this whole community. So I'm kind of figuring this out as I go. But it sounds like a lot of these modders are like putting up tip jars on their sites or they have some other way that they can collect that, – that people can donate to their cause. And what this is doing is just making that easier for most shoppers to be able to see that that's an option. And, and it sounds like it's not even so much that it's that. It's all it, – well, some people are upset that people are charging at all and it seems like some people are just upset that the developer is taking as large of a cut as they are, which again, they're the ones who built the thing that you're built, that you're selling your thing off of. I mean, this is different than like, you know, the Nintendo wanting to take 40% of revenue for people to make YouTube videos of let's plays of Nintendo, uh, Nintendo games, for example, like that's a different calculus than something like this. It, it seems to me like this is all like there's always been a money aspect to it for people who have wanted it. This is just kind of streamlining it. But people are more upset with like the implementation than anything else. Or am I misunderstanding that? No, I think, no, I think the percentage is is a tricky part for sure, because it looks at least from what the chat room is saying, like there's a specific percentage that's already been decided for every mod. Am I no, wrong that's about not that? true. That's absolutely okay, okay. not. That's true. my bad yeah. then. That's good because I do feel like they should decide it on a case by case basis. Yeah, it because... sounds like it's. It sounds like that's the case for Skyrim mods. Okay, but not necessarily. It sounds like the developer can choose how much of a cut they want to take. Okay, but like even in that case, though, like if you're making a Skyrim mod, like not all mods are created equal. Obviously, right. that's like the point of mods. So one mod might involve a whole lot more original content than a different one, and that is kind of sad to me that the percentage is the same no matter what, even though, I mean, there's no way to have somebody play every single mod and be like, I've decided this person deserves $10 and this other person deserves 12. Like that would be a ridiculous thing to try to do. But like I, so I don't have a solution here, but it, it is kind of sad because I know that there are some mods that are like really basic and, and maybe that percentage would make sense. And there are some where a whole lot of original content is added and it's too bad that, 
they aren't getting paid for that as well. But can't those modders just charge more? I mean, the modder's the one who sets the price. It's just that the developer who sets the percentage that they're going to keep. Well, yeah, but since it's a percentage, like you're, if you raise the price on something, then maybe no one will buy it. I mean, that's like economics. Or, or what will happen is, is that because if, if people see something as non-equitable, even though they would have done it for free beforehand, and they've done this with tests, even with rhesus monkeys, okay, this is how ingrained it is for us, that if you think that someone is being um, unjust in the percentage that they are creating for you, you will stop participating hmm. out of just spite, <laughs> truly. Wow. And so there's these, this really hilarious video of these little tiny monkeys. And so a monkey does a little task. He sticks the little nut into the little bucket. And then the person gives him a um, cucumber. And the monkey's really, really happy with the cucumber. And he will perform putting the little tiny nut into the little tiny bucket for a cucumber. And then there's a glass and he can see through to another monkey. And so then the other monkey goes, takes the nut, and puts it into the bucket and gets a grape. Now, grapes are like gold to these little monkeys. They are sweet and delicious, and they love them. And you see the other monkey look and go, what the hell's up with that? And so then he takes the nut and sticks it into the, the bucket, and, and he gets a cucumber. Now, he looks at the cucumber and throws it onto the ground and watches as his friend takes the nut, puts it into the bucket, and gets another bloody grape. Now, you can tell the monkey starts shaking the, the side of, of the, the grate and grabs another one of the little nuts, puts it into the basket, and then when he gets his cucumber, he grabs it and throws it at the researcher because he's like, that is totally not fair. So the, the only risk would be we have to make sure that, we, that everyone gets a grape. <laughs> okay, George. <laughs> No, okay. no, no, that makes, I mean, I, no, I really it does. want to back it does. you up on that. I want to back you up on that, Georgia, because like running a dev team, um, we run into these complications all the time. I mean, like with, you know, the truth is like not everyone at GSX is a full-time worker. Like we bring on contract people all the time and, you know, we try to treat everyone fairly and making people feel respected is you know part of getting like the best work out of them so i very strongly agree with what you're saying i i think that the path of pe that people have taken traditionally of getting into mod work um and and taking it into the industry is like a, a really well beaten path it's a great thing to cut your teeth on and i, I think the i don't just think that the i i, I would encourage people to think about it this way too one of the most exciting things that's happened in the industry is I know lots of people, they're just tired of AAA. They're flat out, just can't take any more of it. Like working for one of the big publishers is just as crunch and they don't feel respected and they don't feel like they have um, a choice in what they're making. And they want more, um, you know, agency in what they're creating. So I know so many people have kind of left and gone the indie route and what I see from this is the ability of people that are very skilled at this to maybe come out and make a living. And rather than trying to like reinvent some indie title for your phone, maybe you could have some of the brightest minds in the entire world making you a new Civ patch or you know, modifying Dota for you or you know, modifying any, any number of these games in really fun, exciting ways. So um, I would really encourage anyone out there that's kind of angry about this like think about the amount of innovation this could bring to the table and you know just just let people make their own decisions 
And hopefully, you know, this is the first day that they're doing this. They're probably going to tweak it and hopefully it'll end up being, you know, they'll figure out where the sweet spot is for for pricing. Maybe 25% isn't the right cut. Maybe another developer will 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 split it differently and we'll, it'll it'll work itself out eventually. I, I have, you know, it's hard to get too upset about the first day that something's implemented. These things have their way of sorting themselves out eventually, hopefully. I mean, not always with Valve, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, no, I I agree. It, I think I think something. I think it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, what definitely. happens? I I am interested in it. I I want to see how the mod community figures it out. Yeah. Together. All right, so why don't we stop talking about games that other people are modding and talk about some games that we're playing. So, um, uh, so Maddie, what are you playing this week? Okay, so I... All right, I, I don't know what to start with. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, so I, I guessed it on Unconsolable yesterday night, and they, like, played a trick on me where they did this test that I don't know if they've done it with other people, but they were like, don't play the game Pancake. And oh, I was yeah. like, is the test that now I'm going to want to play the game? Because you know, negative advertising works as well as positive advertising. And they were like, yes, that's the test. And I was like, great, because as soon as you said that, I wanted to play the game because yeah. I was intrigued. And so I played Pancake just now. And Zach is better at it than I am. <laughs> and I don't really know how to explain what this game is. It's really, really bad. So is it really, really bad? That makes me want to play it as well. I know, right? I've heard them describe it and it sounds terrible. And it sounds like ter- it sounds like the kind of thing that's terrible in a way that you will not stop playing it and then feel yeah. more and more awful about yourself the more that you play it. Yeah, it's absolutely that. It's 100% <laughs> that. It's like the desert golfing of Unconsolables universe, I guess. I don't know. So, um, I yeah, I don't know. You flip a pancake. It's incredibly <laughs> hard to flip the pancake. It's absurdly hard to do it. I don't really? know why it's so hard, but it is. It's harder than in real life? Yes, way, 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 way harder. And it's like Flappy Bird levels of hard at flipping a pancake. And I don't know why. And it's because the game is horribly designed and it's a horrible, horrible game. And I, yeah, I should never have played it. I'm playing it right now. The end. Anyway, also I played Mortal Kombat 10. <laughs> I played yeah, a lot I'm of Mortal so Kombat 10. I'm so much more 10. interested in the pancake story. <laughs> I know, right? Right? I could go on. Okay, so here's here's the whole game. I, you know, Georgia, I'm going to tell you all about the game. So it's a white screen, and all you can see on the screen is a muscled arm, not attached to a body, just floating in the air, a huge muscular arm. And that muscular arm is holding a pan. And there's an egg floating in the air and then the egg cracks in two and a pancake falls out of the egg. Don't ask me how that works. Did I crack the egg? No, 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 no. The egg cracks on its own. And then the pancake doesn't fall until you click, until you like tap the phone, which is absurd. Everything about the way that this game is designed is absurd. I don't know. A robot designed this. Anyway, so then you you only have control over the movement of the pan. It's I can't even believe I'm going into this much detail about it. You shake your phone or what? what would no, you no, play no. This you on? can only tap the screen. And I, oh. I don't. I kept thinking that if I moved my phone from side to side, then like it would somehow change the way that the pancake fell or the way that the pan moved. It doesn't. It doesn't this is not better than desert golfing. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's a thousand times worse. <laughs> 
Look, it's the worst game ever made. I don't know. Dean it's was terrible. slightly offended, Maddie, when you said the bad I've never as played desert, desert golf. golfing. Exactly. So That's why I'm offended. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a little offended. Don't I, play I this game, it, okay? No, I've heard them describe it, and I, I'm starting to become convinced that they have never actually played it and just try to see how many people they can get to play it. Well, it works because I played it, so I don't know what to say. I'm a complete bum, and I played what they told me to play. Whatever. Huh. Anyway, Mortal Kombat 10 is a good game, and I wanted to just briefly mention that uh, there was this tweet yesterday uh, about how the viewership on Mortal Kombat 10 streams is, like, wildly outpacing Street Fighter streams right now, and, like, Evo is coming up in July, and so there's a lot of speculation about, like, what the attendance at tournaments is going to be like. And if Mortal Kombat 10 ends up being more popular than Street Fighter in any conceivable way, then the fighting games community is going to flip out and fight. And it'll be really, really funny to me personally to see that. <laughs> so I am sort of Freudy excited about the prospect of fighting games players getting really insecure about which fighting game is the most popular. And to me personally, it would be kind of funny if Mortal combat ended up uh having more popularity just because i like it when things change a little bit and also i read a funny game facts thread today by people who are really mad that there's a gay character in mortal Kombat and who said that sjw's ruined mortal Kombat. so yeah i'm fine with it if mortal <laughs> Kombat 10 gets really popular i've decided i'm good with it <laughs> that, also that's awesome. it's fun so yeah cool so, Georgia, what are you playing this week? Other than Pancake. Other than Pancake, <laughs> yeah. which you're probably playing right now. Are you playing it right now? Oh I might be God. downloading. I'm not saying. I am. I am. I am, am abstaining. I am not playing this game. I'm I sorry. To play I'm this sorry. Game. I refuse. I don't recommend it. I'm literally telling everyone not to play it. I was told not to which, play it. Which makes people want to. Georgia could explain why that makes everyone want to play it like ten yes. times as much when you. Yeah, when Georgia, you is it, there but... a real reason why? Yeah, there really is. I'm not going to go into it now. After I've done, I think enough psych for no, 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 <laughs> Georgia. I, I really, I really, I love I, it when I you love do it. that. Please, yeah. please, please, please. Tell me about reverse psychology. Well, yeah. Well, right away, we we always want to do things that we're not allowed to do. It, it's part of our rebellious, curious nature. So, right away, just stick in front of anyone a box and say, "Do not open this box." They're like, well, why? What's happening? What's inside of the box? What could it be? Could it be that bad? Maybe I'll be different. And they want to experience, we like to experience the extremes. They're more memorable to us. And that's why a lot of movies like Sharknado, you like, that's the worst movie in the whole world. I must see, is this really the worst? Do I trust you? And then those of us that are more oppositional than others, it's almost like you tell me not, like my father says, oh, that guy, he's like, you know, 250 pounds. You better not um, grapple him. Who was the first person I grappled? That guy. First person mm. went in, grappled the guy, and I went back to my dad, and he's like, you didn't grapple him, did you? And I'm like, yes, I did. And he's like, you really shouldn't have. And I said, you raised me. Like, <laughs> and he says, just tell me you beat him. Um, this quality has an actual name? It's oppositional? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, there's a, there's a few different things that come into play with it. Um, but but that just happens to be one of them. And, and oppositional people will do something just because they should not. Um, and it's a little bit of leadership. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just stick a red button in front of a child and just leave it there and then see what happens. Um, I'm playing something called Time Trap. And I've, I thank the Lord. This is actually a game I really enjoyed. And it's so simple. And I 
it's just a really mindless, fun, easy, relaxing game where you search through and you have to kind of like they have a whole bunch of things that you have to find in the picture and then you get to pass to the level and then there's little tiny puzzles that you get to solve. Simple, easy, relaxing and I can just chill and look for like, you know, where are the sunglasses in the picture and then, you know, find them and as you click them you get new list of things to search for. It, it's great in between stressful sessions. That's all I have to say. It's a nice, easy, simple, cool game. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right for my week since I'm still sick. Oh, You're still sick? I'm, I'm sorry, Georgia. Sick. I hope you feel better. Yeah. Thank you. You should get Anthony to come bring you some chicken soup. Yeah. 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 yeah how come he's not already doing that? Yeah. He, he's been Very making exciting. me teas, actually. He's been making me teas <laughs> constantly. Uh, Good. Has he been making you pancakes? No. <laughs> No, but I, I might be making pancakes after. Uh, so, Bree, what are you playing? Um, yeah, I have to be honest, guys. Um, I, I feel like part of having a podcast is um, people get to know you. So something I, I think if you follow me on Twitter, um, you're going to notice I've been tweeting a lot less lately. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to take some steps in my life to kind of step back from all the Gamergate stress and find myself. And I have to be honest, I've tried to spend less time this week plugged into devices and a lot more kind of thinking about where I am. So I uh, love truth that, is, I, I, love I really I haven't played anything this week. So Good um, Brie. Good for you. There's nothing, was, to, nothing to apologize I for. I think that that's yeah. awesome. I would totally yeah. give you a gold star for that. <laughs> Thank you. I do. Yeah, I right really on. That's Thank great. You. I mean, yep. there's not going to be every week that, you know, you're going to want to play something or you need to play something or sometimes it's good to yeah. not. So, exactly. I, you know, we're all real people and, you know. Own it. Well, what I was going to say is, um, you know, I feel like we talk a lot about real issues on the show. And something I've I've become aware of in myself is, um, look, I would have to be unhealthy to not feel an immense amount of stress about Gamergate and the things that have happened to me about that. And what I've, I've learned is I've been sublimating the stress by um, every time I get that like fear reaction in me to like just instantly diving into Twitter land, which is why I've been so active on Twitter for the last like eight months, um, you know, or leaping into a video game. And what I found is it doesn't help like um, my fear response go away. Like every time someone like knocks on the door, my adrenaline spikes and like escaping into a different world is not, it's not good for me. So what I'm trying to do is to spend a little more time like, you know, know, talking to friends, being out with people, being connected with my husband, just being like more in tune with the world that's immediately around me. And yeah, I actually have some, you know, exercises I've been working with, with a therapist to kind of, because the goal is to literally lessen your cortisol level Mm -hmm. in your, your body and you train your brain to stop overreacting to the stress response. So recalibrate, recalibrate basically. So that's what I've been doing this week. Love it. Brie. Love it. That's really good. Awesome. That's better than any video game, (laughs) Brie. Thank you. Yeah. It's like way better than the pancake game. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that what we're all supposed to be doing, right? Like that was one of the main, like level yourself, right? Like yeah, yeah. like life is very similar to video games in a lot of ways. And I think that it is would be remiss of anyone to, you know, make their characters really fabulous and let their life slip away. You want to be balanced. So I love it. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Georgia. 
so I guess that's, yeah. I guess I'm the only one left. Right? Was that like? Was yeah. So no. Well, uh, so, the show? What are you talking about? <laughs> so um, so I play Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> and I I can't I can't do it, guys. I can't. <laughs> I I'm I am I'm seriously like I've. I have been spending this week like doing a lot of reflection, not the kind of like actual useful reflection that will help me be a better person, but like the kind of reflection that is trying to make me understand why I am so terrible at this game. And I, I have, I have actually come to, I, and I've given it like a fair shot as best as I can, given that it's school vacation week and there's a limited time that I can actually play it. But I, because I'm trying to figure out like how I can play Guitar Hero and Expert and and like clear like every single level on Amplitude and play you know pretty much any platformer and not be able to do like basic things in a fighting game because like I'm playing it and I'm like even like the basic special moves if it's not like a quarter circle type move if it's anything else like I can only execute it maybe half the time consistently. Wow. And, so your and frustration it's, level grows. Yeah, and then it and it and it kind of snowballs that way right. because then it's like I'm trying and it's not it's not happening, and then I keep trying and it's not happening, and it just I'm not getting anywhere. So it's like I went into the fatality trainer. I did Cassie's fatality, not the selfie one because I didn't unlock it. There's one with bubble gum that you you stab you stab the guy in the in the. That uh, one's so gross. Yeah, it, it's not pleasant. None of them are pleasant, Steve. You have to explain it to me now. So you 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 stab them in like the eye or in the middle of the forehead, and then blood starts gushing out. And she takes her bubble gum out of her mouth and puts it in, and inflates the bubble gum, and then it pops all over the place. And then the guy dies. So okay, but I, I've started to to figure out that I am very good at games because it's not a hand eye coordination thing, right? Like obviously it's not, and I'm not terrible at video games. Like I I you know joke about being terrible all the time, and and. It's been kind of made clear to me that maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on myself, that it's kind of not a joke entirely, but that's a different thing. But I'm not terrible at video games, right? Like, I'm not. But And I have hand-eye coordination to be able to do this. And even when I'm doing the training, I can do it. But really? when I'm actually... You can, so you can do the tutorial. That was going to yeah, be my first question. Yeah, I can do the tutorial. It's okay. when you're under stress. It's when it I'm actually playing the game. Ah. I cannot react quickly enough. Do you want to know why, Steve? Yeah, I, I would love to know why. Oh, okay. I love this episode. Georgia is like busting out the knowledge. George, George is like psychoanalyzing every single one of us in no, turn. It's it's great. I, do it's not, great. I don't do that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not true. Well, okay. she, no, she's not allowed to. She's not. She's not actually psychoanalyzing us. Oh, I'm she's not just, like psychoan. Like I'm. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just passing some knowledge along. Okay. For legal reasons, she is not <laughs> psychoanalyzing us, but we yes. all know what's George, really Georgia happening. Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she is not your therapist. Go ahead, Georgia. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. No, I need to understand. Like you do, you do. Obviously, like I form professional conclusions about uh, things I see all day long. Like as you talk to people, you have to see patterns in them and whether you talk to them or not like you have to see that right yeah but it's not i like it's just you just know something like you just know it right like it's just like you would know how a game is made just by looking at it like i i I, i'm but i'm not trying to like um manipulate or like i don't know it's it's just you end up just knowing the stats just because that's all you do all day but it's something that's a passive thing like it's just there I've got it. And yeah, I, I often forget just how scared irrationally people are of therapy and therapists. So like I tell someone that I'm a therapist and, and right away, like they're all chatting with me and blah, blah, blah. And I seem I'm like very 
I'm like a really bubbly, positive, uh, silly person. And then when I tell them what I do, everything changes. Like, wow. it's like they suddenly I, I've, I've turned to Palpatine right in front of their eyes. Um, and, and yeah, so I, you know, it, it just... Yeah, I don't I, understand I, that. I use my powers yeah. for good. Because I think I think people still think of therapists as shrinks, and you know, they and, think and judgmental. They're, yeah, they're judgy and yeah, uh, which, snobbish, uh, which we know Georgia is not. So. People, no, that's Georgia Dow right there. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia Dow judges anyone who's not wearing an Apple Watch as of tomorrow. <laughs> right. Anyway, so, tell me what's wrong with me. Okay, no, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with you at all. So this is what happens when when you're learning a new skill. So when you're learning a new skill, you're actually going to be better at it when you are under low stress situations. Why? Because it's not really a muscle memory yet. It's something that has not been mastered. So when you're really calm, when there's no pressure, when no one's around, when you have as much time as you can do it, you're going to be able to have a higher level of success. The really cool thing is that if you've mastered a skill, you actually will do better under a stressful situation than you will if it's really calm and easy and there is no pressure there because you will, it's actually bad for you to overthink it. It's now become muscle memory. And by not thinking about it, you won't mess up. So a lot of people, especially that are like distance runners, or if you're doing a speech or you're doing a play, you start actually thinking about what your lines should be and not letting it flow. That's the greater chance of you to actually mess up. You just let it go. You're going to do better. So for you, Steve, it's probably just like for me, the same thing. I'm not as good under stress unless I'm really, really good under something. And I'm also really hard on myself, which probably you are as well. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I can't believe I didn't do it. So I'm even increasing my my adrenaline and cortisol levels that I'm going into, increasing the stress and then decreasing the chance that I'm going to be successful for it. Right. And then my negative voice kind of goes into it and like, oh, again, you see, I can't do this. And it makes it not a pleasant experience. Yeah. And, and I think that it's it's not a matter of not trying either. And, and like because I feel like, you know, I, I follow football. I know. Um, but the, the thing that NFL quarterbacks talk about is like the game slowing down enough for them to be able to, to do it. And I just don't feel like that's ever happened to me with a fighting game. And, and I almost feel like I, I'm just starting to think about the games that I'm good at and the games that I'm not good at. Cause I've put a lot of hours into trying to be good at fighting games. Like I, but do you enjoy them, Steve? I did. I enjoyed Mortal, okay. Marvel versus Capcom 2, Capcom 2 immensely. And I mean, I played that game to the point where I unlocked all the characters in the Dreamcast version. Which, you probably weren't that bad at it then if you could do that. But I still was never able to be good at it. Like I, even then, I was, you? I've still never executed a combo in that game, other, despite the fact that I was, you know, passable at it. Right. So, and, and I mean, that's kind of the thing that you have to be able to do. So I don't, I just, I'm starting to wonder if it's not even so much that it's, it's that's part of it that it's getting a skill and being able to get that to happen. But I'm also just thinking that my reflexes just might not be fast enough for these types of games. Like I feel like there's a lot of thought that has to happen between recognizing what's happening, remembering the button presses and then executing them correctly. It's not even just executing them correctly. It's also recognize just being able to recognize what situation you are and then choosing something. And I don't think my brain has ever really been fast enough for that, which is why I'm not good at first-person shooters. I'm not good at even something like Towerfall, where it's a platformer, and it's something that I should be good at because I'm good at platformers. But when I'm playing in that type of situation where I'm reacting, and it's it's a reaction as opposed to pattern recognition, that that's where I, I struggle a lot. 
So I, I'm starting to wonder if it's something to that. Like, I'm very good at games with hand-eye coordination where it's pattern recognition, and I can kind of figure out my way through it, almost like a puzzle. But when I'm reacting to unpredictable situations, I'm not as good at it. Right. You don't You don't think that you have the same fine motor. Right. Like, the, there's the muscles that are, like, for the rapid movements versus the ones that are um, long-distance kind of thing. And, yeah, that could be, too. And you might not – you know, you could probably get – like, you probably could get good if you spent a ton of time, but is it worth it for the amount of enjoyment that you'd be – yeah. Well, but you can beat the tutorial, so we know the muscle memory part is well, possible. Well, I, I, I was able to do enough of the tutorial before I got bored with it. Let's, oh, let's, yeah. that's very different than saying <laughs> you beat the tutorial, Steven. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's, it's like when I'm playing it, though, I feel like I'm just pressing buttons and things are happening, but I don't feel any connection between what I'm doing and what's happening on the screen. And that's not a whole lot of fun no, when you're I know. playing it that way. It's just that by the end of the tutorial, they do start teaching you combos that are pretty hard to do. So it, you would have to like advance past the easy stuff and get to the hard stuff in order to determine whether you could even do it. But I, and then if you couldn't, then I'd be like, okay. But I guess, I guess the part that's kind of throwing me is that I think of fighting games as being entirely about pattern recognition. Like that's all you do and i like some really good advice that i got recently uh about street fighter zach read it on a blog somewhere and told me it was just look at the other character and like it sounds so obvious but when you're playing a fighting game it's really easy to get stuck on looking at your own character the whole time because in every other game you ever play you're supposed to be looking at your character the whole time like in mario or any platformer Mm. steve that you play all the time you're looking at just your character very 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 closely but in fighting games you actually need to be looking at the other person almost the whole time and you can see yourself in your peripheral fine and you can you know what you're doing you've got your hands on the controller so like you're fine and um so you don't even really need to be looking at yourself that much like you can glance back to see if your spacing is right but like the times that I do best these days, at least in, in Street Fighter, are when I'm looking at the other person the whole time. And it's hard to remember to do it because right. you've, yeah. you've trained point. yourself out of it. It's not natural. Right. Yeah. Right, right. But it's also true. And like this is like more high level stuff. But uh, this is not necessarily true in Mortal Kombat. But in other fighting games, it's, it's really obvious what moves they're about to perform. Like in Street Fighter especially, like you can tell when they're about to throw a Hadouken. Yeah. Like, way in advance if you're actually watching them like you and can you like see them the doing the motions right yes and so then you know to block like yeah and like they're telegraphing every type of move that they do and like all you have to do is watch them and eventually you get what you're supposed to do in response to it and like moral combat like i'm i'm definitely i'm not as good at moral combat 10 at all yet and like i'm still learning how to do it and i'm definitely still looking at my own character way more than i would like to because i feel like i'm still learning how to do the moves that my own character is doing so i'm like looking at them to make sure they're doing them right because you're not (laughs) sure that you're going to be doing it yet yeah Yeah. i mean that's the thing when you don't know if you're doing it right you need to be looking at your own character to see if what you're pressing is actually happening but I think that at some point you have to let go of that and start looking at the other character anyway, because otherwise you're never going to know when they're about to attack you and it won't even matter what your moves you're doing. And you know, since you beat Marvel versus Capcom 2, you don't necessarily have to do complicated moves or complicated combos to win a match. Like you really don't. You just have to 
behave tactically and block at the right time, jump at the right time and like hit them at the right time. Even if you're just doing like really basic attacks, you can still win that way if you are playing reactively and like using pattern recognition, which is probably how you beat Marvel versus Capcom back then. You just didn't realize that that was the tactic that you were using at that time. And at the time you were probably like, it sucks that I can't do combos, but like, that's not necessary. Like, it's great if you can do a combo because it's going to take more damage and like, you know, tie them up for more time. But you don't necessarily have to win that way as long as you're playing reactively. I I feel like, you know, you're probably not going to actually play. Well, no, I'm not going to, I'm not sending it back yet because there's nothing, there's nothing to send it back for. Yeah. So, and, you know, I'll give it I'll give it some more time and I'll see what see what happens with it. I mean, also, it might be fun to just like play the whole campaign on easy just to like that's see what the I've been campaign. doing is I've been yeah, playing yeah, story yeah. mode on easy. So because I mean, it's a cool story and like it might still be fun just to do that, you know? Yeah, that's what I've been doing, because I mean, I did play the Injustice story a while back on easy and it was I like the story in that, too, because I'm a, you know. Yeah, I mean, I like the story in Mortal Kombat because I'm apparently easily amused. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's like very action-y and corny and goofy and campy. And I like all that stuff. So, So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So that that, and I, you know, I just want to say really quickly, like Maureen found me Majora's Mask from the library. So I've been playing that, you know, in the evenings and. I've never wanted a new 3DS more than playing that game because <laughs> oh, it's so great. The 3D yeah. is it's the 3D in that game is beautiful, and I can't ever look at it because I got a headache within like three seconds yeah, the first either, time that yeah. I the first time that I move my head. Yep. So um, it would be nice. Um, just a couple of quick things on housekeeping. Bree wants to remind you that she has superpowers. I do. I actually texted Steve this week and said you need to include that in the show notes. So thank we, you. I need to thank steal. Breeze superpowers. I was going to trade you, and now my Apple Watch is on the way, Georgia Dow. You snooze, you lose. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, blame yourself. I'm going to use you emoji to steal your superpowers. <laughs> okay, okay. Tomorrow. I'm going to counter emoji oh. your passive aggressive oh. emoji. It's going to be epic. Oh. On Friday, on Friday. So Friday. I'm going to be texting you on Friday. Okay. And you're going to be the only other person I know with an Apple watch. So I'm going to have to text <laughs> stuff to oh, you. Oh, I don't so. think that that's true, but okay. I, I think there are a number of other people on on our fine network who will have them that you can oh, you can send true. you can send can horrible pictures to Slack chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm great. sure you'll have that'll plenty of people to send send horrible horrible emoji to. Why would you assume I would send horrible emoji? I'm going to send pictures Sweet. of kittens. Right, that's exactly what I expect. Right. Okay. <laughs> Don't okay. I, I can't wait to hear all the uh, responses from the pictures of kittens that you're sending. Okay. Great. <laughs> Uh, and Georgia was on uh, Tech News tonight over um, over on Twit this week, so you sh- we will have a link to the show note. Is that anything you want to say about that, Georgia? Or? Oh yeah, Megan's amazing, and it was so funny. Uh, she's 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 brilliant and such a professional. It was so cool, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, I saw you on this other show, this and that." And so I'm like, "Oh, okay, okay." And then she tweets out, "And next time you're on the show, Batman impressions." And I went, "Oh my god, I think she might have listened to on the show." And then I'm like, "Oh no." <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I like it threw me through for a loop when she said that. So I'm like, okay, that's great. Uh, She's a fanda. She's a fanda. That's awesome. That or maybe it was from Vector. I don't know. Maybe it was from Vector, but I, I, I was, I was almost. We'll just assume that it was us. To, yeah, yeah, I was too worried to ask. Um, and I don't remember if I said it at the beginning of the show or not, but please go buy our shirts. 
Go order it right now before you forget, and then you will have it delivered to you in a couple weeks, and you can wear our beautiful new logo on your body. Your body will be ready for our <laughs> for our shirt. Bree, is your body yeah. ready? No. Your body's ready for sleep. <laughs> He's gone. For sleep times. Uh, it's all right, not so, ready. It's asleep. Okay, it's asleep. so before Bree, before Bree falls asleep on us. So, uh, as all... Bree <laughs> snores. That is not a commentary on our shirt, by the way. Uh, <laughs> All right, so so as always, you can uh, you can visit the show notes. For the- I give up. I'm not I'm not gonna be able to finish the show if you it don't stop storing. Off, I can't. I can't even All right, so you can visit the show. You can find the show notes for this show and every show at either <laughs> at, at isometricshow.com or at relay.fm/isometric. Uh, please do make sure to rate and review uh, the show on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Um, we uh, you can send your feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com and uh we're now again part of the wonderful relay.fm network so uh if you like what we're doing make sure to check out some of the other fantastic shows uh that are over there there's virtual if which is another another show about video games there's connected and brie does a show called rocket that you should already be subscribed to what's if you're the not name already. of that show again steve um i think that was called rocket um, it was called spaceship no <laughs> are there pandas Yes. They don't have pandas. We're completely we're we're uh we did. We panda cheated on this podcast. Oh, panda <laughs> cheat us you. On rocket. You yeah, we did. we did. We did. Uh. We did. <laughs> and uh so you can also follow all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at Isometric Show. I am Wicked Good and Bree, where can people find tweets composed by you? <laughs> Space Cat Cal <laughs> and Maddie. Um, I am at Samus Clone, and I have a score of 11 in pancake right now, so. I heard when you get to 20, you get the blueberry pancakes. Are you joking? I, that's what I've been told. You see I a feel rock. like you're lying to me. I'm never going to get to 20. I can't even believe I got to 11. I don't want to talk about it. And Georgia, where can people <laughs> find you and your pancakes? Uh, on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Seems wrong. Um, it's at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Yeah,